Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. So over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible and to fall in love with Jesus. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hello and welcome. I'm so, so, so grateful that you are here. Before I start today's show, I just want to say a huge congratulations to Susan Stone from North Carolina who won the 100th episode giveaway. I was able to send that out earlier this week. And a great big thank you to all of you who entered. Um, And I'm planning to do a green giveaway. I love the color green. At some point um, later on this year. So stay tuned for that. It will probably be a good few months. But I'm excited um, to do a green giveaway. So anyways, today I am going to talk about a verse or a little phrase out of a verse that has just been on my mind simmering away in my spirit all week. And it is just this they had been with Jesus. This is a phrase out of Acts 4.13. And just to really quickly unpack what's happened, Peter and John had just seen a lame man healed at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And they are called before the high Jewish council. So the absolute highest religious leaders in their day of the Jewish people Um, It's night, and so they're thrown into prison. But the next morning, they're called to give a witness. And the Jewish leaders say, by what power and by what name have you done this? And it says in Acts 4, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the first key, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, and he goes on to preach and to tell them, by what name this man stands before them whole. And he goes on, and in verse 12, he says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we see this very bold monologue, this very bold sermon, an answer by Peter to the Jewish council. And verse 13 says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The Christian Standard Bible says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. They looked at Peter and John and they saw their deficiencies. They saw that they were uneducated, that they were untrained. As it says in King James, they were ignorant. But they were bold and they were articulate. And the high Jewish council could look at those two men and clearly see that they had been with Jesus. And I don't want to take this out of context. We know that Peter and John had literally been with Jesus just days prior. They had physically walked with him for three and a half years. 
but the same Jesus that they walked with and that they talked with is available for us to walk with every single day. Every single day in his word, in his presence. And just like it says of Peter in, I believe it was Acts 4, 8, that he was full of the Holy Ghost. We too can be with Jesus and have that recognizable in our lives. Jesus had told them the disciples in John 14, he said, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send a comforter. I'm just paraphrasing, but it's going to be the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you and shall be into you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples about the promise of the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm going to come to you. And he said very plainly that he is the Holy Spirit and that he would come to us. And when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, like they were in the book of Acts, we are filled with the same Jesus that walked and talked with Peter and John. And that's just simply the beginning. Being filled initially is just the beginning. From there, we have to stay full of the Spirit. We have to learn to walk with him. And we too can walk and talk with Jesus daily. And that is what it's all about. It's about relationship with him. It's not um, getting the Holy Ghost and it's a one-time ticket to heaven. It's not us putting our name on a church membership and learning how to check religious boxes. It's not about us showing up every time the doors are open, though that is an important aspect of our walk with God. But it is in daily being with him that our deficiencies are made up for by his supply. It is truly in being with him that he downloads his heartbeat into us. It's in being with him that our fears are abated, we're given boldness. It's where we are formed into his image. And it's in being with him that we say, not my will, but thine be done. It was in prayer that Jesus said that word, those words in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It's in being with him that our hearts are healed, that commissions are given. It's in being with him that direction both for our futures and for our day, are given. And there's so many things that happen when we're with him. And those things literally cannot happen any other place. Nowhere else can the things that happen in his presence happen and take place and transpire. They won't happen if we do not prioritize being with him And I recently heard uh, Brother Drew Galloway preach a sermon called The Spirit of Mary. I don't have this in my notes, and I hope I don't misquote it. But he said, it's easy for us to confuse what we do for God with what we do with God. Or it's easy for us to confuse what we do for God with what we do with God. And what we do for God can never replace what we do with God. We have to prioritize his presence. And those leaders interviewing Peter and John, they were amazed. They recognized. They knew they had been with Jesus. And I believe that when we prioritize being with Jesus, there are observable qualities in our lives. Our imperfections, our inconsistencies, our deficiencies may still be obvious to people. It doesn't make us perfect. We're still we're still got flesh to deal with. But God does change us over time. 
And while maybe people will still see our imperfections, rear their ugly heads from time to time, alongside that, they can see God working in our lives and using our lives in spite of us. And it's going to be obvious that we have been with Jesus. He's the difference. He makes the difference. And I truly long for people to see my life and know that I have been with Jesus. And I've got a long way to go, but let me walk with you, Jesus. Don't ever leave me alone. And so today, that's not really tips or tricks, just a reminder to prioritize being with Jesus. Today, I'm going to share an unedited unedited journal entry called The Lord is My Shepherd. This is an entry that I started last summer in Hawaii, and I began to to write it. I kind of set it aside. I started writing about it again in December, working on this piece, and um, read a lot about shepherds and how the relationship between sheep and shepherds, and then I kind of set it aside again and just picked it up this week and finished it. And so if it seems a bit disjointed, um, maybe that's why, because it was written over quite a long stretch of time, which does happen sometimes. But today's unedited journal entry, The Lord is My Shepherd. The streets of Waikiki and every tourist attraction portray the vast dichotomy of human existence. Kalakaua Avenue boasts both Dior and the down and out. Wealthy vacationers speaking Japanese, French, and Swedish emerge from shops bearing the names of every top designer and merge into crowds that include surfers and drifters. The filth of the homeless mingles with the overdone perfection of those that have just spent thousands on rejuvenating spa treatments. The honeymooners and the homeless walk the same stretches of streets. The beauty of the beach is contrasted by boarded up buildings just blocks away. This paradise is crowded with both beauty and bums. Locals, tourists, the surf scene, those who moved here to serve in the hospitality industry, those burned out on drugs or hollowed out by severe mental illness or simply homeless in Hawaii because it's never cold. Each one a soul. Each nameless face a human crafted lovingly by a creator. Every surfer a story. Every server a story. Every student a story. Every derelict a story. Every affluent globetrotter a story. And I see them. I'm moved with compassion. Not as much as I should be, not as much as I want to be, but this clear dichotomy of humanity stirs and sparks empathy in my soul. For the past few days, I have been soaking, soaking, soaking in the beauty and comfort of Psalm 23. What a chapter for weary souls. What an incredible truth. The Lord is my shepherd. This line alone stuns me. It brings me to tears. I have a shepherd. In all my soul exhaustion and prone to wander ways, I am still under the watchful care of a shepherd. I am a sheep of his pasture. This moves and ministers to me in a way my pen cannot adequately capture. The reality of having a shepherd is such a source of strength and hope. And yet, as I look at the faces I'm passing here and there, I know that many of them do not know the comfort and care of a shepherd's hand or the correction of the shepherd's staff. Many don't know his comfort because they don't follow where, they don't care to follow where he leads. 
Yesterday, while soaking in Psalm 23, the Lord brought Matthew 8.36 to mind. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I cannot imagine not having a shepherd. I cannot imagine walking the wilderness of this world shepherdless. I cannot fathom walking in his tender, loving care. Yet that is the reality for so many scattered abroad with no shepherd. What is it exactly that the shepherd does? I recently heard Robert Alter's version of Psalm 23, which so beautifully answers that question. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd provides my needs. There is no lack in my life because he is my provider. It may seem at times like he is not providing what I need, but your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. In grass meadows, he makes me lie down. By quiet waters, he guides me. The shepherd makes me lie down. He requires me to rest because left to my own devices, I might not. He leads me in peaceful places of refreshing. My life he gives back. He leads me on pathways of justice for his namesake. The shepherd restoreth my soul. He revives the inner part of me that's been ravaged and shredded by the journey. Brown Driver Briggs defines pathways of righteousness as right paths. He knows where I should go and where I shouldn't go, and there he leads me. Though I walk in the veil of death's shadow, I fear no harm, for you are with me. Even when I am required to walk through the darkest seasons of my life, dark nights of the soul, and even when I face death itself, my shepherd is with me. He will be our guide even unto death. Luke 179 says to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. I have read in several places today that sheep do not like walking into darkness, but I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, it is they that console me. The shepherd corrects and protects with his rod and staff. The staff is also used for guiding sheep through a new gate or along a difficult or dangerous route. He will use the slender stick to press gently against the animal's side and this pressure guides the sheep in the way the owner wants it to go. I have also read that a staff may serve as an extension of the shepherd's hand and he may walk by a sheep with his staff gently resting on the sheep's back. He comforts and consoles me. You set a table before me in the face of my foes. The shepherd ensures I am fed even with enemies looking on. Sheep are very vulnerable, a prey animal with many predators. David certainly knew about this, having killed both a lion and a bear in defense of his flock. And the sweet psalmist wrote this reassuring word. He feeds and sustains me while predators look on. You moisten my head with oil, my cup overflows. The shepherd anoints my head with oil. Reading several articles, it appears that this practice continues in shepherding since ancient times. There are several reasons for this. Primarily bugs and flies that bother the sheep and for the healing of cuts and wounds. As one blogger wrote, 
the sheep says, the shepherd anoints him with oil to the point that my cup runneth over. The image is one of abundant, lavish care by the shepherd who has an endless supply of soothing oil. My cup runneth over. Let but goodness and kindness pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for many long days. I actually much prefer the KJV translation with its emphatic declarative language. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, truly, goodness and mercy from my shepherd are coming along behind me all the days of my life, always. Good days, bad days, blah days, directionless days, all the days, and I will stay with my shepherd. I am a sheep of his pasture. There is nowhere else for me to go. I am here forever. I will dwell. I will live. I will abide. I have lived in the goodness of God. And that is a little synopsis of the shepherd's care. What a gentle and good and precious and gracious shepherd he is. How grateful I am to know this shepherd and to have been so long under his tender loving care. But it is not enough for me to simply be cared for. To know my shepherd's heart is to be moved as he was moved. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The multitudes were exhausted, number 1590, and thrown to the ground through weariness, number 4496. And this stirred deep compassion in Jesus' heart because he knew it was due to their shepherdless state sheep having no shepherd, and he had compassion on them. Charles Spurgeon says in his sermon, The Compassion of Jesus, that the word is a very remarkable one. It is not found in classic Greek. It is not found in the Septuagint. The fact is, it is a word completely, a a word coined by the evangelists, the gospel writers themselves, They did not find one in the whole Greek language that suited their purpose, and therefore they had to make one. It is expressive of the deepest emotion, a striving of the bowels, a yearning of the innermost nature of pity. I suppose when our Savior looked upon the certain sights, you saw his big heart was ready to burst with pity by the sorrow upon which his eyes were gazing. He was moved with compassion. His whole nature was agitated agitated with commiseration for the sufferers before him. Jesus saw the crowds and recognized that they were shepherdless because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The compassion was birthed because of this realization and the compassion birthed a prayer request. Then he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Pray for those who will see and recognize the fainting, scattered sheep who are plenteous and will bring them into the fold. Pray for those who recognize the sweet tenderness of the shepherd's care and are willing to do what it takes to bring others under it. The word harvest here means figuratively a multitude of men to be taught how to obtain salvation. The harvest is people. The harvest is sheep. 
and Jesus' compassion for them saw him requesting prayer for those who will bring the harvest into his care. I don't want to live in a state of blissful, peaceful, self-satisfaction, basking in the fact that I'm one of the lucky few who knows about a shepherd's care. I want to pray for the shepherd's eyes and the shepherd's heart and the shepherd's compassion. And I want to answer the shepherd's prayer request and teach others how to obtain salvation. There are masses and millions fainting to have one's strength relaxed, to be enfeebled through exhaustion, to grow weak, grow weary, to be tired out and scattered. And sometimes the sheer volume of shepherdless sheep cripples me. I feel I can't do enough and I can't, but I can do something. I can't personally lead every plenteous sheep into the shepherd's care, but maybe one or two or three or four. I refuse to allow my limitations to keep me from laboring where I can, when I can. I will ask my shepherd to help me see the sheep and to be moved with his heartbeat to teach them how to obtain salvation and to bring other sheep into his fold. John 10, 14, and 16. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Oh, to partner with my shepherd. He is Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and I am a sheep, we are sheep. As 1 Peter 2.25 says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, and now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. How I long to help others turn to him, to be his people, the sheep of his pasture, because one day, very soon, the chief shepherd shall appear and you shall receive a, a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The Lord is my shepherd. He was moved with compassion because they fainted as sheep having no shepherd. To all those on Waikiki streets, I see you. The shepherd sees you. He has compassion on you and he's reaching for you. The Lord is my shepherd. And today, just a little encouragement to be with Jesus, to sit at his feet, to soak up his word, to allow him to make up for your lack, my lack, our deficiencies, and to let him download his heartbeat into our chest, his love, his compassion, his heart for the harvest. He had eyes to see that the harvest was plenteous, but the laborers were few. And I want to answer Jesus' prayer request. I want my being with him to translate into something that others see in my life and to translate into me helping to bring others to salvation and into his tender, loving care. This week, this month, this year, let's prioritize being with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit meganedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday. And as you could probably tell, this is truly unedited.
had a lot of mistakes in reading that. I was reading that straight off paper and sometimes cursive can be a little tricky to read. So this is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.